Greetings, and welcome to episode 14 of the Dan York Report. Today, there is significant outrage and anger all across the internet and across mainstream media at articles in the Washington Post and The Guardian that revealed that the National Security Agency, or NSA, has connections into nine major internet companies, including Google and Facebook and Microsoft and Apple and other companies, and as well as disclosure in recent days that the NSA was seeing all the metadata about telephone records, who you called and for how long, and all of this. There's outrage everywhere and anger being vented in online forums and social media and channels and just everywhere this anger is happening out there and this outrage. Unfortunately, my reaction has really just been kind of like, duh, of course they're spying on the internet. And in fact, you know, it's kind of like, hello, welcome to our brave new world, because in many ways, we told them to do this. Back in 2001, in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks on, on the U.S., you know, we authorized, we collectively as a country voted into law something called the Patriot Act, the USA Patriot Act, on October 24th, 2001. It passed the Senate, the U.S. Senate, by a vote of 98 to 1. The only senator who, who was dissented was Senator Russ Feingold out of Wisconsin. It passed the U.S. House, 357 to 66, and it was signed into law by President George W. Bush. Among the many features of the Patriot Act was the dramatic expansion of electronic surveillance capabilities. You know, at the time, many organizations pointed out that this was going to have consequences, but we were angry. We wanted to track down and find the people who had made this attack against our country. We wanted to find them, get them down, and we wanted to prevent other such attacks from happening to our nation. So we, you know, gave these broad sweeping powers and capabilities that were out there. And, and then we reauthorized that in 2006 by lower margins. But we, you know, and the agencies involved were, have been given even more authority in the time since and more things. You know, there's this natural tension between safety and security and privacy and freedom. There are legitimate needs that need to be balanced. We want intelligence agencies to be protecting us. We want them to find the people who would do evil about them. If there was a plot to, you know, to blow up my hometown or something, to, I would want that found. Now, whether that was from external actors or internal actors, I do want those kind of issues dealt with. I don't want to have that kind of thing happen here. Likewise, if somebody were to attack one of my family members, I would want law enforcement to do everything in their power to find who, whoever did it, bring them to justice, and make sure that they you know, have some kind of penalty for that crime. I want that. There is this legitimate you know, level of, of uh, activity that I want to be done. But there's a balance. You know? I also want a certain level of privacy and protection. I want that. You know, and yes, if we think about it, the agencies are legally not allowed to intentionally examine data from U.S. citizens. But how do you make that distinction on a certain level? And the data's there anyway. There's a great potential for abuse. You know, th this current outrage is not a new issue. You know, back in the early 1990s during the, the President Clinton's administration, a number of us were involved in efforts then to, uh, to block something that was proposed by the National Security Agency called the Clipper Chip. It was going to give us ubiquitous encryption, but with a back door. 
you know, would let us go and have encrypted phone call, encrypted email, whatever else. But there was a backdoor that law enforcement could use in that. It was defeated, but, you know, on a certain level, it turned out that the NSA and all the other intelligence agencies just needed to wait a while, wait for the rise of social networks when we would all publicly give out way more information than the NSA was ever going to be able to be capable of getting back in the days of the uh, clipper chip. I don't know, maybe I'm just too jaded after being online for 30-something years or about 30 years, but I've always assumed that anything I put online can be seen by someone at some point. If I don't want people seeing something, I don't put it online. Or if I do, it's on a server that I know I can secure and control and or it's using encryption that I trust, something like PGP or GPG. You know, and, and yes, those I realize could potentially be broken, but it may at least slow that down or remove a certain level of attackers. You know, and, and maybe it's also just that I understand the plumbing of the internet on a certain level. And it's a network of networks, but at the end of the day, it's signals going over wires and radio waves. There's a physical layer that can be tapped. You know, there's only so many peering points. There's so many submarine cable landing points. There's satellite downlinks. All of that physical infrastructure has the potential. Uh, you know, somebody could go out and put a box there and intercept that, and maybe I've just always assumed it's been. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm extremely glad we're having this public debate. I'm glad there's this outrage. More people are suddenly waking up to what many of us have been saying for the years. I'd like to hope that maybe what will come out of this is better privacy protection, better tools. You know, but there's a natural tension, again, between safety and security and liberty and freedom. What amount of freedom are we willing to give up in the name of safety and security? In 2001, we said here that we were willing to give up a great deal. Is that still true? Do we, where do we draw the line? What's the balancing act? You know, the unfortunate issue, too, is that there's also a natural tension between security and convenience. You know, people have been able to have encrypted email, end-to-end encrypted email, for years. You could do PGP encryption, things like this. You could have it for years, but almost no one does because it's hard, because the user experience isn't there. You know, there are VoIP solutions that offer end-to-end security, again, peer-to-peer end-to-end security. But again, they aren't used as much. The user experience isn't there. It's hard, and people just don't care enough or haven't cared enough. Will that change? I don't know. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see it move. But my fear is that, of course, people will look for solutions now. But then when there's the next bright, shiny service that comes along, the next great thing, next great whatever it may be, they'll just go to that, forgetting all about this lesson. So, yes, be outraged. Be mad that this is happening. But turn that outrage into action. Think about our own pri- your own privacy online. What can you do to protect that? Where can you learn about how to protect that? You know, Support organizations that are working to ensure that our civil liberties are protected online. You know, ask questions of your politicians and ask questions of, our, of yourself. What amount of freedom and privacy are you willing to give up in the name of legitimate security and safety concerns? Where do you draw that line? Because that's what this debate is about. Where do we draw the line, we as individuals and as a society, to let this happen. We are in an online world where we can put more and more information out there. But where do we draw that line? That's the question. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these reports and other information at soundcloud.com slash danyork and danyork.me. Bye for now.